Um, are you using, I don't know if I can ask this, are you using your corporate Zoom account to do all yes. this? Okay, I saw that in your thing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Long Form Conversations, the podcast where we talk about long form improv. I am your host, David Long, and today we are joined by uh, a guest that uh, I've uh, seen go come up through the ranks over the years. Uh, he is a very talented improviser, actor, and writer. This is Sam D. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. How's your day going so far? Pretty good. Uh, just got off work and ran over here. You work from home? Yeah. It's nice, right? My setup is not this good. I'm like, I'm like looking at everything, trying to think like, what can I steal? What are the elements that I can like put into my home? Oh, like in terms of like designing? Yeah. yeah. Were, you a, were you a computer kid growing up? Um, Not, re- I was a ham radio kid. Okay. Uh, I built and like broke down a lot of ham radios, but yeah. never computers. I wasn't like big into computers, but my brother is, and he always gave me his hand- hand-me-downs, mm-hmm. which is why like, yeah, like. Uh, Sam's probably remarking on like my wireless keyboards, my monitor stands, my uh, uh, what's it called? The docks, like the the wires. Yeah, but even just like the lighting and like where you have your desk set up and where you have your bathroom, like all that. It's, like, oh, well, very... that's just uh, <laughs> directly behind Sam is the TV. So I sit. Um, this is my desk where I use for work. Sometimes don't tell anybody. I will just watch TV. No, I, I want to do that for my meetings. Yeah, right. Too. So that's what yeah. you want to do. You want to get like uh, it's situated to the point where. Exactly. You have your monitor on one angle and your TV on your next angle. Yeah, especially for like meetings where I'm not presenting anything. I just want to be able to watch TV. <laughs> to like sit in, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think working from home is like helps um, with like being able to do improv and acting and writing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, Orange County, even though it's like an hour away, like, you, you, I mean, I think most people, when you get that first office job, you get that same feeling where it's like you work all day long. You get off at like five and like all you want to do is like relax. Right. You want to get, get a drink, get some food, get, take a nap. So uh, even, even though I was doing improv in Orange County, it was hard enough to be like, I got to go to class or I got to go to a performance tonight, you know, mm-hmm. or practice group or whatever. Did you notice a difference? Like uh, jumping from like going into the office to, to working from home? Yeah, I, I think like I have more time to like do like writing stuff. Uh, I have also noticed that I'm like turning down more auditions just because I don't want like I'm used to not driving around as much. Oh, wow. So I'm like, uh, I, I don't want to go all the way to mid city when really it's just like a 20 minute drive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I kind of have the opposite thing. I, I, I've come to love driving in L.A. more because obviously, you know, uh, uh, in the past, people always talking about traffic, and I always say traffic is kind of getting to normal levels. But because I don't drive around for work or for many other things, mm-hmm. like it's really just improv. So it's like somebody wants to have a, a lunch at the West Side. And normally in the past, I'd have been like, no, yeah, you know. But now I'm just like, you know what? It's a nice Saturday afternoon. I know it's gonna be a 45 minute slog, but it's like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really get to be in the car that often. Let me just put on a podcast and get there. So like people, I'm down to drive. If you want me to come out to a, <laughs> a dinner or a show, like, <clears throat> uh, uh, do you know, uh, like um, the drunk theater guys? Yeah, yeah. In Santa Monica. Yeah. Like they live in the West side and like, I, I kind of love going to hang out with them on that side just because it changes the pace. Yeah. I feel like out here, people go to like the same five bars, same like six restaurants and everything. Yeah. So when they're like, Hey, we're going to go <laughs> eat uh, uh, lunch at this place. I was like, yeah. 
I don't, whatever, let's just do it, you know? Yeah, I definitely feel that. By the way, uh, caught that whistling print shell, the second one, the um, white lotus shell. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, that was such a great show, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Yeah, that was uh, two Wednesdays ago, right? Uh, that sounds about right. Two or three, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, uh, 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 I will say this. You, got, you guys got, because it started late, I feel like you guys got the short end of the stick on that night because I was ready for more, baby. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, it's it's always a struggle because it's uh, we're essentially doing narrative improv mm-hmm. and we're trying to stick to playing the same characters for about 40 minutes. And it is like so hard to try and extend it. And and we want to do like an hour long show, but it's it's kind of scary, you know. Oh, you found um, that the hour was too long? Um. I felt like we could have gone a little bit longer, but it's more like, did we have enough stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you, you want to like leave the audience wanting more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sam and his team whistling Prince has a uh, show. They've done it two times now at the um, UCB theater, but it's a white Lotus inspired improv. So they do um, questions, interviews about people's vacation stories. And then you turn that into, you weave it all together. Just like uh, how um, white Lotus is like woven together. Um, but that's a form that you guys already do, right? Um, so we started off doing uh, a small town at uh, We Improv, which is where we met. Mm-hmm. And that w- those were like 15 minute sets. Um, and then I think one day we were hanging out and we kind of realized like a lot of our sets do feel a little bit like an episode of White Lotus. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just like translated naturally, you know. And um, uh, uh, being so narrative focused, it's funny. I would I would have thought the opposite. I would say because at we you get fifteen minutes like tops, and most indie sets you get fifteen minutes tops. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved indie. Uh, sorry, I've, I've always loved narrative improv, but I always thought that you can never achieve that in the indie space because fifteen minutes is is barely enough to tell a Rugrats episode, let alone a you know a story that you're making up as you go along. Yeah, exactly. We had a lot of like really long practices, like three hour long practices just to try and knock down a 30 minute narrative set that felt satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, I think we could still use some work maybe on the ends um, to make like, uh, just like White Lotus, we have a death in the set always. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the death can feel a little bit forced. It's like, oh no, the clock is almost, it's almost 11 p.m. We should go and kill somebody in our set. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just end up like, hey, I'm the pool boy. I drink all the chlorine. Blah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of sets like that in practice. Um, so your your intention was the 30 minutes then? Maybe like 30 minutes of improv, but then also like 15 to 20 minutes of like audience interview yeah. and like riffing up the top. Got it, got it. Okay, so in that case, it probably did end on, on time. I guess for me, I just, uh, uh, I'm used to like, like a 40 minute like narrative right in an episode of television you know yeah i mean if we can get to 40 or 50 and make it feel good that would be the dream sure yeah 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 but in any case uh, uh both shows I, I i was lucky enough to check out and they were both great man thanks so much dude thanks for coming again yeah seriously oh you don't have to thank me for showing up for improv you should have to thank anybody <laughs> for showing up for improv you're welcome you should say you're welcome for a good show. Yeah, actually, I feel like you, like when I'm looking around the audience for like random shows, I feel like you're one of the most consistent, like he's always in the audience people. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't need, uh, maybe I'll throw that as my hot take later, but like, like you got to watch improv. You got to love this stuff. If you don't love it, it's like, it, like uh, imagine like a, a theater actor not seeing plays or mm-hmm. a film actor not watching movies. Don't, you, I, would, I would say, oh, you're probably really bad at your craft. Sure. Know? So you have to be able to like watch what people are doing to, to know it and like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I might, I might, I don't know. I don't want to go into that. Maybe, yeah, it's cost prohibitive. It's not really cost prohibitive, but whatever. sure. Yeah. I mean, you get on performer standby now, right? Sure. But I mean, in the past, you know, and I do have a, a good job where I can pay for the five, $10 tickets. Right. I don't think that should be the barrier for you to see shows. Uh, not when theater is like, you know, 60 bucks a ticket, not when movies are like $25 a ticket, you know, right. in, in any case, whatever you're doing in, in television is free, I guess. But like, you should be absorbing as much as you can, mm-hmm. however you can, if you're going to get it from movies, uh, theater, television, or improv. I think to me, at least, I think improv is the easiest, the cheapest. Heck, you got the clubhouse, which is free. So I take it back. Mm-hmm. Um, you, uh, uh, Yeah, now I'm going to go hard. You need to be watching improv uh, and you need to be going to these free shows. Like, yes, you should be watching improv, but I think you should also know if like this is good improv or bad improv. And if you, you're watching really bad improv and you think it's good, then you're kind of like, forcing yourself down a dark path that's actually a really good point like in terms of taste i agree like uh uh uh, if you're just watching you know hbo max's the idol and you're like this is what i want i want to be this type of writer Mm -hmm. then yeah you're probably gonna be doomed what is the idol bad i haven't watched it (laughs) yeah it's like uh, uh people are saying it's like one of the worst shows HBO has done in like decades. I've only seen the memes, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I think it's such a fall from grace from like Succession and Barry, but mm. uh, uh, yeah, like your taste, I think taste is more important than anything. And I guess that's part of, that's part of, I guess, watching shows good and bad as much as you can because you do end up uh, um, having like a wider spectrum of like what is something that you enjoy, what makes you laugh or what is something that doesn't, you know, inspire you. Like some of the best improv scenes I've ever seen have been like dramatic ones where it's like they kind of, forget that they're doing comedy forget that there's like a joke and, and they just kind of lean into the and it's like four or five minutes of just serious stuff but i'm just like yeah but this counts this matters now would i do four minutes of it no but like i'm gonna take that i'm gonna say in my next set i may want to do 30 seconds of like mm-hmm. uh, like really grounded dramatic like uh, emotionally invested stuff and then i might peel back but that's that's my taste and that's me forming my uh, sensibility yeah dramatic improv is my favorite type of improv hands down have you ever seen improv uh, outside of uh, LA? Or like, uh, like when you travel? Because I know you're not from LA. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I've seen, I mean, I've seen UCB in New York, I guess. I've mm-hmm. seen some like IO and Second City stuff when I was in Chicago uh, visiting. And then um, I used to do improv in North Carolina and we would do a festival every mm-hmm. year. And so those would be acts from across the country. I yeah. could see that. I just realized this is probably a better topic to dive into uh, uh, later on. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll put that on pause. Okay. But uh, yeah, like even that, I would just say is good. If you can like check out improv elsewhere, because mm-hmm. it's completely different. Like so much of it's influenced by like who's running the scene and and, and who's funny and what shows they're seeing. Mm-hmm. But like if you go to like, you know, some other town, it's like they don't know anybody in L.A. They don't care about what's going on in L.A. So their idea of improv and what they're doing is completely different. And um, uh, I like that. It's like it's like regional, regional style, you know? Right. Like. <laughs> East Coast, West Coast hip hop, or something, or like even more so. Even I would say it's like uh, 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 music. You know, it's just like they got that Nashville sound. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, awesome, man. Uh, uh, hopefully, you hear back soon about White Lotus, right? Yeah, we don't know if we have a run yet, but um, we're fingers crossed. We're we're feeling pretty good about it. Awesome. Um, all right, great. Well, uh, let's go ahead and. Um, jump into our first topic now. I'm really excited to talk to you about this because uh, uh, coming up, you were someone that I had seen. You were like a uh, one of the few other Asian improvisers in the community. 
And then you were also on Messal. When was that? 2018? Yeah. Fall of 2018, I think. Yeah. So it was like, oh, okay. You know, so uh, I can't wait to dive into this, man. Let's talk. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our first segment, which is Improvster Syndrome. This is your chance to uh, tell us about your improv journey, the highs, the lows, and uh, everything that got you the way you are now. Okay. Um, I, I started doing improv back in 2015, I think. Um, this was, uh, I was in North Carolina for grad school. Um, I was actually doing stand-up at the time and I felt like so stiff on stage. Someone was like, you should take an improv class. So I started doing that. Um, and then there was this theater in North Carolina. It's closed now, but it was in Chapel Hill. And they kind of had like the same UCP structure of like Harold Knight, weekend teams, kind of like a mess hall team equivalent. So I did the program there and then I auditioned, um, got on their equivalent of a mess hall team and kind of just got hooked mm-hmm. and stopped doing stand-up. Interesting. So this was to uh, like just serve your like confidence on stage for, as a stand-up? Yeah, because like I feel like stand-up stage time is good stand-up stage time is like so hard to come by. Mm-hmm. Um, and the community can be a little icky sometimes. Um, this is like, right. Like this is probably like 2015, 2016, right. Is like Trump and like Joe Rogan is like getting really popular mm-hmm. and the stand-up scene is kind of getting filled with people kind of like that. It was like also around the time of like Louis and, um, Aziz, right. Right. So like, I was just feeling like I wasn't really meeting anybody in the stand-up community that really clicked with like creatively. But then, you know, I was meeting all these improv people who are really nice people and I just vibed with them better. Well, well uh, what made you want to get into stand-up? Um, I've always liked writing comedy mm-hmm. and I've done that, but like was always a little too nervous to perform it. Mm-hmm. And I think stand-up is like the, the barrier to entry is pretty low. I feel like uh-huh. every town... I was, I started doing standup in Mississippi in like a small college town. And it's mm-hmm. like in a small college town like that, there aren't a ton of opportunities to do comedy outside of standup at an open mic. Um, so it's just very easy and quick to get to. I've always been astounded by that. Cause I do feel that like in terms of like entry level comedy, the two really are uh, improv and standup. I feel like there are people that are either, either your city has an improv scene and, and uh, somebody tells you to like, check it out or you read um bossy pants or yes please and then you're like oh okay i'll try improv out but if you don't have those resources mm-hmm. you don't have an improv scene or if you, you know, don't read those books then of course all you know and all you see is like oh yeah stand up what what's the lowest cost of entry it's you and talking i can right. i can stand up and i can talk yeah and that was really the case in mississippi like um no not really any improv um there was a monthly open mic at a bar and I was like writing all summer long and then eventually worked up the courage to do that open mic and like nearly had a panic attack before walking on stage, but really glad that I ended up doing it. You wrote for, like, you wrote like uh, your material for a month? It was, it, I just graduated college and it was like the summer where I'm like still in my college town about to move and just like writing a lot, not really planning on performing it, but just like writing it almost as like a diary or like a therapeutic type of thing and then read it to some friends and they were like this is pretty good you should try putting this up somewhere and then I think part of the thing that helped was like I knew I was leaving in like a month so it's like even if I bomb I'm literally leaving this town yeah so that helped a lot it was a senior year uh 
like senior year had already finished and I was going to start grad school in the fall and I wasn't moving until August. Got it. So it's that like weird summer in between. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that you got on there, like mess hall. How long were you in that system for? Like how, how, how many, how, how, like their classes, how many levels did they have? Uh, it's crazy how similar it is to UCB. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they tried to copy UCB. Uh, oh, got it. So like four levels finished that in six months. They had a yearly improv audition um auditioned and then got on the the mess hall equivalent and it's it's all long form it's all game based um yeah they try to teach game it's just it's very hard to teach game i feel like outside of new york and la because you don't have a bunch of examples to point to mm-hmm. um kind of like your point about like having to watch improv you you can kind of only rely on your teachers talking about it and then watching your teachers um and when there's only one theater in town and there's no clubhouse, it's like you can really only watch like one show a night, mm-hmm. like one set a night. So uh, stand up was in Mississippi. You back home. Chapel Hill was improv. Uh, Mississippi is home. And then Chapel Hill or Durham area was grad school. Oh, got it. OK. OK. Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, uh, I'm sorry. Was this college or is this high school that you mentioned? Um. I so I went to high school in Mississippi and then went to college in Mississippi and then oh, after senior it. year of college that's when I started doing stand up. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But when you were in college undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, 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 was there any? There was a short form improv team. I didn't want to join. Yeah. Honestly, my my college undergrad experience was like, I gotta do well in school so I can get the hell out of Mississippi. Mm. Like as an Asian guy in small college town in Mississippi, it's like very clear, like, Hey, you need to get out of here like fast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in, um, um, uh, UNC Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to grad school concurrently with improv. Yeah. So I was going to grad school at Duke and I tried to join the Duke. Uh, Why did I say UNC Chapel Hill? I don't even think that's a, that's a, a that's a normal thing to assume, right? No, no, no. So yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Duke is in Durham and it's like a 10, 15 minute drive away from Chapel Hill, okay. which is where UNC is. Okay. And I, I was doing, um, I was in a PhD program at Duke and I tried to join the undergrad improv team and it was very clearly an undergrad thing. And I didn't want to be like a weird older guy, even though I was only like, I was 21 and they were like 20. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to join the undergrad improv team. So I found this theater in Chapel Hill uh-huh. that was like uh, a mix of people in their twenties and thirties and started there. So uh, uh, how well did you take to it? I think I, I was able to take to improv very quickly because I didn't care about it. Um, I really cared about stand-up. And I really cared about writing good stand up. And so improv was kind of like this side, like cross training thing. Mm-hmm. And I think having that kind of like a little bit of detached carelessness can really help, like, help you blossom in something. Yeah. And did you think that, like, um, <clears throat> having done so much writing and so much stand up, do you think that, like, that was something that, like, you could lean on where it's just like, I can, I can come up with a fun punchline or I can, like, you know, write my way out of this? Uh, argument or whatever yeah for the first like two or three years of improv I was like the button guy yeah yeah I feel like maybe even now to a certain extent I'm, I'm like the button guy I get like one line in but that's the edit yeah but like he's like uh you can wait and you can totally assess what's going on you're like well there's a punchline that's gotta be for a lull and then punchline yeah. yeah exactly edit um I have noticed that like after I moved to LA and started doing UCB and I started caring about improv so much, like weirdly enough, I felt like my stand-up getting better when I would occasionally do stand-up. 
just because I did start caring about stand up so much and I started caring about improv and just having that balance is so nice. Yeah, maybe taking the stakes out of both of them. Yeah, maybe, totally. Like you're like, oh, you know, this improv thing doesn't work out. So I got stand up or hey, this improv spinal thing doesn't stand up thing doesn't uh, work out. I still do stand up. So, wow, four months, four classes auditioned right away or um, do some like practice groups or. There wasn't really like I had like an indie team. Um, the the size of the community was maybe like a hundred to two hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much like everyone got on a team. It's just kind of like, are you are they gonna put you on the short form team or the long form team oh, or the herald team? So there was like a little bit of a power dynamic. Um I think the weirdest thing was just like moving to LA and doing the UCB stuff and realizing how much that theater in North Carolina had like copied Weird. the structure. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that almost helped me a ton when I moved out here. So uh, I'm guessing you finished grad school. Uh, how long is grad school? Two years? Uh, Three years? I, so I did what was called mastering out. So I, I was in a PhD program and then halfway through, I decided this is not for me. So I was like, can I just leave with Let the me master's? Get my master's instead of my, yeah. So yeah. two and a half years for me. Um, so two and a half, that means you were doing two and a half years of uh, improv here, I'm guessing. Or did you stop halfway through or? Um, no, it was about, yeah, two and a half years of improv in North Carolina before moving out to LA. So what was that decision? Like, uh, well, obviously you get your, your masters, mm-hmm. uh, I guess you're maybe applying for jobs or maybe you're like move back to Mississippi or go to another city or uh, stay in North Carolina. Moving back to Mississippi was not an option for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, at that time I, uh, had auditioned a couple more times at that theater mm-hmm. and then got put on a Herald team and like put on a weekend team. And at that point I was like talking to people, um, uh, asking them about like who are some other people from this theater who like went on to New York and LA to do this improv thing and slowly I was like maybe I should give this a shot so then uh, you made the decision to move out to LA yeah it was New York Chicago or LA and that's where I was so well, this was an improv field move or was it a career field move both I mean part of it was like I realized I didn't want to be an academic and like I didn't want a PhD um, sure uh, yeah yeah move out to LA uh, was UCB the intent? Was there a second city or uh, Groundlings in your heart? Um, UCB was the intent. Uh, I tried a Groundlings class after moving out to LA. did not love it. Mm-hmm. And then um, Second City Hollywood, I I was on a team there briefly, auditioning on a team, but it was mainly UCB. Partly because the the structure and the um, the organization was so familiar with what I was doing in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, and when you moved out here, did you know anybody? Did you have any other, like, uh, uh, alums from your uh, Chapel Hill days? Uh, there was a guy who I uh, moved out here like maybe a couple of months before me, mm-hmm. just coincidentally. And then just some like people who uh, like an old high school friend or something like that, mm-hmm. but no one that I was like really close with. Okay. So what were those first couple of days at UCB like? Um really like exciting but also kind of intense uh i started like my first one-on-one class before i even had like a car or a lease for like a, an apartment i was like living you don't in- have a car in uh, uh north carolina is that walkable no no no. i was getting my sh- car shipped out oh i got it so it first like, thing you did when you flew out here was like make sure i get in one-on-one class well those classes fill up quick you gotta get it exactly apartment. back then yeah and um i was living in an airbnb <laughs> uh and then going to do my one-on-one class yeah yeah What's this like? You already done a Herald team mm-hmm. and then now you're taking one-on-one and people are figuring out, yes, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely <laughs> I definitely had a little bit of an ego, uh, but I think 
it, I got humbled very quickly because I was like seeing all this improv and realizing, oh, I have so much to, room to grow. Yeah. Uh, and that was from like uh, the teachers doing, uh, or I guess you're watching Herald shows, you're watching weekend teams. Um, yeah, I was watching a lot of weekend teams. Um, there was this one show called uh, This Show Is Not Funny. I love that show. Oh my God. It's like hands down my favorite improv show of all time. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Casey Faye, Mary Holland, and Luca, what's his last name? Jones, I think. Luca Jones, yeah. Yeah. Um, and just the, the dramatic stuff, yeah. Which is a degree that you usually don't get to see in improv. Never. And then you never get to see um, two person scenes that last that long and have that type of like emotional depth and connection. Uh, and the thing that like always impressed me is that they would always be able to make me forget that I'm at a comedy show and like make me kind of lose my expectation for a laugh. And then once you lose that, that's when you laugh the hardest. Yeah. Uh, so how quickly did it take you to get through the UCB coursework? Like two years, year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Slow down there, huh, bud? Slow down. <laughs> I I really didn't love my 201 experience. And well, no one does that. I feel like that's usually the breaking point for a lot of students. Yeah. Well, especially because in my 201 class, there are a lot of people who would talk back. Um, because mm. it is like 201 is such a talky class, right? You're like talking through these ideas, but there would be so many people who just wouldn't take a note and would like kind of talk back to the teacher. And so it just made it so slow and I, I needed a break for a while. Great. So uh, uh, what, what did you do then? <sighs> Tried to learn how to surf. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. LA stuff. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, 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 so yeah, I guess uh, uh, as a student, as someone who's taking improv, that's, that's, especially since you moved here for LA, that must've been a really like existential crisis for like, man, I'm here to do this, but I don't really know if I like this or if I want to do this anymore. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I wasn't meeting anybody who like was obsessed with it as much as I was. And like, so I wasn't able to form an indie team until really like 401. Yeah. Isn't that wild to say that like LA and especially UCB, this is the place where the people that are the most obsessed by the improv, I would argue. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and I had the same experience. It's like, it's really hard to find people that like really want to do this. Like, like uh, if you if you watch like a uh, um, this show is not funny you're like I want to do that and then you look around does anybody else want to do that and like it's crickets you know mm-hmm. or like there are people who are like yeah let's do it and then they never reply in the group thread yeah so I think it takes a lot of uh, sifting through to get to like find the people that are like as dedicated as as you might be yeah for sure um, so how did how was it finishing up um. By the end of 401, I had like finally met a crew of uh, people who I kind of clicked with. And then we had an indie team. We're doing the clubhouse circuit. Um, We're talking about auditioning. And so all of a sudden it felt familiar again and kind of felt like what I came out here for. Interesting. So what I, uh, what, what, what aspect of it, like, other than auditioning, like what is it about like that group and like the, the, the community that you found in uh, uh, Chapel Hill that like, you know, makes you like makes you feel comfortable and safe? Uh, it's like the talking after shows and like hanging after shows and being like, what did I like about this? What did I not like about this? Mm-hmm. Um, like people who are like really thinking about what they've just done critically. Mm-hmm. I think I, I was craving that. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that post 401, you are uh, doing practice groups. You are 
like thinking about auditioning, uh, how does that build up to your first uh, uh, mess? Like, what is what is that? What does that like uh, grind look like? Um, feel like might have been more helpful. Yeah, I think back then. Uh, so this is like summer 2018. I wasn't as familiar with like all the opportunities to to practice for Herald auditions, like boot camp and all, all these workshops. There weren't as many workshops back then. And so it was just a lot of like practice groups. Um, I was so excited to get up an audition because I was like, finally, like it's been two years since I auditioned for an improv game, really. Um, and did you think because you had done it before, success, success, you're like, gonna nail it? No, not at all. I, I went in specifically, I was like, let's not get ahead of myself. Don't let myself get a big ego. All I want is a callback. Mm-hmm. If I get a callback, it'll be a win. And I think having that mentality really helped. Um, I went in kind of nervous for the callback, kind of nervous for the first round, got the callback and then was nervous for the callback. But um, other than that, it went pretty well. And is that the year you got on Mess Hall or? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, my first audition I got on Mess Hall. Okay. What was that experience like? Um, very like intimidating at first. Uh, ton of imposter syndrome, especially because it's like, I, I feel like with all of these like Herald audition processes, it's like, even if you get on, if, if you're a sane and reasonable person, you realize that there are other people who take, could have taken your spot easily. Um, so it's like a lot of survivors guilt, a lot of guilt, especially cause like it was my first time and like other people have been really trying for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I spent six months just trying to get over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was, uh, back when they had six mess tall teams, right? Right. So did you have, um, at this point, you know, since you've been through and you've been here for a while now, do you have any like friends that you could commiserate with or any peers that were like, Oh, Hey, I, what team are you on? Uh, it was called Roxbury. Like I'm on Roxbury. You're on, you know, f- uh, flush head or whatever. Um, Make it up a dumb. Yeah. No, this, wait, flush head. Is yeah, that flush, head. flush head. Oh, write that down. Dude. Yeah. That's a good, <laughs> one, one um, n- not really weirdly enough. I think like I was so panicked about mess hall and like the whole, like, because I didn't really feel like I had a lot of friends in the community at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, so panicked about the entire experience. I yeah. didn't really like, meet people or like feel comfortable around people yeah no it's it's tough and you know uh, uh i'm lucky I, I feel very blessed to have done it when i've done it because i think if i had gotten it sooner i would have been so lonely i think it's talking about like you know how how lonely and soulless it could be mm-hmm. to be doing improv with no friends is probably worse than commercial auditioning by yourself in your in your room yeah uh, and I think pre-pandemic, there were a lot more like power dynamics and hierarchies. Yeah. Uh, I feel like thankfully a lot of those have been torn down. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You almost even need friends to, to get there. Yeah. Well, in, in, uh, Chapel Hill, did you have a, a strong, like, like a base and, and peer group? Yeah, absolutely. I think because the community is smaller, it's your like, tighter knit. Yeah, exactly. And did you miss that ever? Totally. Yeah. And um, I, the thing I miss the most probably is the fact that there were like so many different bars right next to the theater, like mm-hmm. all steps and steps within the theater. Mm-hmm. And um, like the hangs were so good. Like, cause every night you can go to a different bar with a completely different vibe. It wasn't just us standing at 4,100 or birds every single night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, 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 cool, man. So uh, uh, who's your coach? Uh, for Messel was Josh Brackus. Josh Brackus. Oh, dude. Love that guy. 
Uh, uh, all right. So uh, uh, after that run, what's what's going through your head? What's what's what you doing next? After that run, I'm like uh, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I know what I need to work on. I know like what I need to do to get on Herald Night. I'm not good enough to get on Herald Night yet, but I like at least I have the game plan. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, let me focus on that. And uh, more workshops, more practice groups, working with Josh more as a coach, or finding other coaches that could help you, or um, I guess like I was doing like classes and workshops. My indie team kind of dissolved at that point, so I didn't really have like a consistent team. Um, but just really just trying to get reps in um, for the next round of auditions, I guess. Uh, uh, and then 2019, and what happened then? Uh, I got all the way to second call back. I thought I did pretty good. After the second call back, uh, a woman in my group walked up to me and was like, Hey, I don't want to jinx it, but like, I think you should expect something. I thought you were so good. And then I didn't get anything. And it was like, so devastating. The person that said that that to you, was that a, an improviser, someone in the committee? Was that a a fellow auditioner? It was a fellow auditioner. And she was like someone I respected. Like she had just been on mess hall and like, she was like, Hey, I, I know I'm not supposed to say stuff like this. I don't want to put you in your head, Mm. but yeah that you you did really good well i would say that's always a nice thing to hear you know <sighs> but it's not like because it's like setting you up so the fall is harder you know sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh uh I, I guess yeah at the end of the day you end up at the same place which is disappointment <laughs> yeah it's a false uh, a starker fall from grace yeah all right uh and then uh yeah what, what you know it's kind of been a pretty nice upward trajectory for me up to this point mm-hmm. and this being a um yeah uh, uh big drop or you know huge disappointment how'd you feel about that um disappointed but also it kind of like it was going into it i'm like okay maybe i could get something but i would need a little bit of luck like i think i was at a point where i was like okay if i were to get harold knight it would be like 60 percent talent 40 percent luck and those are my odds going in so it was like okay i'm disappointed but i know like obviously there are people who deserve it more than me um and that was kind of my mentality coming out of it mm-hmm um, and then you're you're just back at it again, more classes and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, by now it's like fall 2019, just more classes and stuff, and then the pandemic is just right around the corner. Yeah, were you were you gearing up to do the 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 mess hall auditions, or were you not aiming for mess hall again? Uh, oh no, I was. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that was a big bummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the pandemic happened like the week before, the week of. Yeah. Like right around the same time uh-huh. for the, the 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 mess hall halfway. What do you what would you call those? The halfway audition? Uh, the spring audition. The spring auditions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, and fall twenty nineteen, right after I didn't get, uh, after my second time auditioning, I didn't get anything. I went to China and taught improv, and that was kind of like a reset and like a such a mm. cathartic experience. I was how long like, are you there for? Just like two weeks, but it was like oh. doing like these day long workshops, and it felt so good. For sure. And then uh, pandemic happened. Yeah. I feel like I know the rest, right? Then uh, were you doing we before or you, that's when you started we? Uh, I was doing we before like in Drake's apartment. Uh-huh. Um, and then. So Whistling Prince was a pre, pre-pandemic team? It was a like, I'd done a we workshop with Jorge in person. And then he was the person who put together the group text as soon as the pandemic hit to be a Zoom team. Mm-hmm. And so I think Whistling Prince got together maybe a couple of weeks after pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you grew out your hair. <laughs> wow, that's what. <laughs> that's right. Hey, we're going chronological order. That's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. The most significant thing that happened to me 
because I grew out my hair. <laughs> yeah. You did Zoom improv and then, yeah, things reopened. And, yeah. Uh, uh, back at the grind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so it is now uh, six years into your uh, UCB journey. And now you're on Harold. You're on Headbutt. Yeah. Six years have built to this. How, how, how does that feel? Uh, I mean, really great. Really cathartic. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just overall a great feeling. And I love my team. Everyone's so nice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Since you're someone that loves auditions, when, when, when they announced it and you were like, mm, I'll sign up. My favorite team is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how was it stepping into that room? So many people were so nervous, but how, how did you, how did you handle and how'd you cope with that feeling? Um, I, I, maybe this is like maniacal, but I loved it. Uh, mm-hmm. I was nervous, but it's like also like the kind of nervousness that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember b- before the first round this year, I was like, I thought I was a little too calm. Like I woke up and I was like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm not, uh, I can't wait to get in there. And so I took a little bit of pre-workout to get myself jittery. <laughs> BCAAs or caffeine or uh, NL? Um, it was beta alanine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 It um, it can make your skin a little pricklier. Yeah, I, I have so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice. It is great. And sorry, not to get dorky. It's supposed to make your blood vessels open better so that you can handle more um, oxygen in your muscles. Yeah, you and your muscles get sore slower. Yeah. Um, and you have like one or two. People always say that you get like an a, an extra rep or two. Yeah, and when I when I took so you were out there getting an extra rep or two, you're doing a, a fourth beat, huh? A fourth. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm on pre workout. Okay, I gotta get my reps in. I got one more in me. Yeah. Um. No, but I actually I genuinely needed that because I was like I'm too zen and focused. I need to get a little like. You have daytime evening audition. Uh, first one was evenings. Uh, callback was daytime. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 so yeah, like you probably had work or you probably just did a, did a thing that day, like went um, to the beach or went surfing. I think my first round was on a holiday, mm-hmm. some sort of holiday. So I, I didn't work. I remember that. And then the second round was on the weekend. Yeah. And then jumping on, on Franklin and, and doing it. How did that feel? Um, good. I, <laughs> I was doing like jams, the, the jam on Sundays yeah. just to like, I remember, yeah, you had told me about it uh, and you recommended me do it. And I will say that actually made a huge difference. I almost want to plug the jam for a second. But oh, like, the jam is great. The jam's a chance to improvise at the uh, the Franklin stage. And previously, like you could never get on the Franklin stage. Mm-hmm. I had to take 401 and pay 450 bucks to get on the Franklin stage. I only did one, one scene, you know? Right. Uh, uh, so to have that jam happen weekly, I think is so great. Because um, I only went to one. It was because you told me and uh, I went there. You saw how awesome I did. Just mm-hmm. kidding. But like, that's where the nerves happened. It was that day, you know? When you got and did the jam? Yeah. Because that was like my first time on Franklin stage in years. That's amazing. You <clears throat> want to get that out yeah. before you. Literally yeah. my second time on Franklin stage. So like, it's a different feeling. Like the lights and the audience, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely like, <clears throat> I'm glad that you had recommended me do that. And I recommend that for everybody um, to get that, <clears throat> just the environment out of your head. There's so many other things going on right now. Right. The last thing you should worry about is just like, hmm you know, the greats perform here, right? Yeah. So you want to, if you can get as much as comfortable on that stage as possible, I guarantee you when you step on the day, cause yeah, like, I did that like the weekend before. And then when I had my audition, I was like, okay, I'm not as scared on here. Mm-hmm. Cause I crushed it at the jam. No, right. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. But like, uh, uh, I just, yeah, I got it on my system. It's also, I don't know if you ever did the jam when it was at the sanctum, but I did. Yeah. Okay. What PJ, Joe and I have done with the jam now is like, yes. it's leaps and bounds better. It's genuinely fun now. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I didn't like the jam before, but I definitely will say uh, 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 it didn't feel, it was just, I get, I think just the, the amount of people, I love that the jam is a popular thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they also do a good job of like uh, guarding people from any problematic stuff. So it is just like, hopefully what people imagine jam should be like. Yeah. And I think the benefit of like having the stage lights on maybe like, uh, makes people nervous and gets the people who would otherwise be steamrollers to like not be as steamrolly. Mm, That's my theory. Like, yeah. Everyone's going to see me steamroll or not. Yeah. It's almost like you're on display. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, how's the experience been uh, um, uh, now? Like uh, five months in. Really great. Uh, love my team. Love the, uh, the the shine hasn't worn off yet. I still mm-hmm. get very excited to go up there. Um, yeah, no no complaints here. Yeah, I love your team. You have a a, a really solid team. Um, Thanks, man. Great, cool. <laughs> I'm glad you like your team. Yeah, uh, 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 yeah. So many great people. <laughs> yeah, so many great people. Uh, 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 but Monday nights are like just uh, fun again, you know. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, and yours your team's all new people, right? Uh, yeah, all new people, which I'm very glad. I'm grateful for like very grateful that we're all getting to go through this experience together and that everyone's excited yeah for sure yeah awesome man anything else you want to talk about in your uh, uh journey through improv um i mean i think that that's pretty much it all right awesome uh well that has been improviser syndrome with sam d we got a chance to uh, uh travel across his improv journey started in mississippi and then north carolina and we ended here in l.a uh, let's go ahead and jump into our next segment now, which is going to be our topic of the week. Now, this is really interesting. This is a topic that I threw you some suggestions, mm-hmm. but uh, you suggested a really great topic uh, that I think is good for both of us to talk about, which is uh, 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 L.A. improv versus small town improv. Mm-hmm. The two things we know best. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess, first of all, yeah, like what? Why? Huh? Why? Why did you feel so strong about this? Um. So, I mean, as I mentioned, I, I spent a couple of years at this, you know, small theater in North Carolina where I feel like I really kind of like, um, broke my teeth in. Is that a saying? Cut my teeth? Cut your teeth. Cut my teeth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it comes so hard. They broke. Yeah. I cut yeah. them so hard. They just shattered. And I'm so grateful for that. I, being in LA though, I have met a lot of people who kind of like have like an LA UCB elitism. Like I've heard people say like, um, it doesn't matter how many years of improv you do outside of LA or New York. It's like your improv journey starts at year zero. Once you get to LA. Ooh, I never heard that. That's a toxic thing to hear. Yeah. That's something that I've heard in uh, uh, other parts of uh, LA, like uh, in entertainment, they're like, I don't care how many years you've been a, a writer or how many years you've been an actor it doesn't start until you work in LA. And to some point, like, I don't know that world as well as they do, mm-hmm. but maybe they're right. Right. I don't know. But obviously no, they're wrong because at the end of the day, you bring your experience with you. Yeah. I, Sorry, I was young when I heard that and I always let that like fester in the back of my head. Yeah, and it's like such an unhealthy idea to have like yeah. lurking around anywhere yeah. in your brain. But the only one that it does apply to is being an LA Lakers fan. You either, <laughs> it doesn't matter how long you've been a fan and once you start cheering for them here in LA, that's when day one begins. Mm, how about Clippers? The, the 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 real LA people will claim Clippers. How about that? Like, if you were a Clippers fan in the '90s, you're true. But if you got them after uh, Blake Griffin and um, Chris Paul, Chris Paul, then you're not a real Clippers fan. I think it's fair. Yeah. Sorry, but to, to jump back in. Um. Yeah, and I just think that like 
I'm here to defend smaller market improv Mm -hmm. because I think reps are reps and it's so useful and great to be able to get your sea legs wet and to get those bad reps out. You know, like I did so many bad heralds in North Carolina that by the time I got to LA, I was like, I know what a bad herald feels like and Mm -hmm. I can like do it and like brush it off my shoulders. Like you're not precious about it. I'm not precious about it. Um, I've also done maybe one or two good heralds or like good shows even. And like to come out here and have that kind of in your bones. Um, yeah. 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 I, uh, I, for the most part, I agree with you. I, I, I may just take on the, um, the role of the, um, the naysayer or the, uh, devil's advocate. contrarian or the devil's advocate, yeah, please do. just so that there's some type of discourse. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, I agree with you. One thing I will say before I jump into that devil's advocate mode uh-huh. is that, uh, uh, like when I started doing improv, it was never to pursue comedy. It was never to pursue uh, uh, um, acting or performing. You know, I started doing improv because I needed help talking to people. I was working with clients and I was really nervous. So when I started doing it, I took it at this place where all the people were similarly like that. It's like, I'm a salesman. I got to get, you know, want to be more loose or it's like, I'm, uh, 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 52. I, um, my, my last uh, granddaughter just went to college and I don't know, I'm ready to have fun or it's, you know, my dad says I need to build some characters. So I'm here to take improv. My dad told me to take improv classes so that I can get, come out of my shell. Mm-hmm. So because of that, like, to me, that's always what improv is about. Mm-hmm. And those are the people I feel like I am the most, um, uh, uh, uh tied to or most close to. Like if there are people out here that like they're, they're nervous as heck and they can get barely get two words together and they, they jump on stage for the first time. And then they say one thing, you know, and it doesn't, even if it's not funny or whatever, like I would cheer that person on. Cause to me, I think that's the spirit of improv. Right. Totally. It's like a big leap for them and it takes so much more courage for them to do something like this. Yeah. So in that sense, I will say, um, I, yeah, local improv rocks because you're only going to find people like that. I think those are the people that like, uh, need improv. I think improv needs them. Like, I think it's like a, a, a really good symbiotic relationship. Um, that being said, now I'm going to take off the, the, the happy positive hat. I'm going to put on the, the other hat, which mm-hmm. is to say that um, that's that, like you mentioned before, like it, there's a very low ceiling. You are pretty much going to be capped at, at whoever runs the school or whoever runs the theater. You know, that's the one thing I will say against that is um, as much as I love it, as much as I love cutting my teeth in local improv, mm-hmm. uh, 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 I, I, yeah, my first use, like I said, the first use of the show, I was like, what am I, what have I been doing? What have mm-hmm. I been doing when this is the, the end goal, you know? Yeah. I guess to that, I would say like it, I feel like it's a bit of a spectrum. Yeah. Um, the theater I was at, like it was started by a guy who was like on a Herald teams that I think like IO and second city. And then um, there were people who were like, I'm a therapist who I want to like, and I want to be able to talk to my clients better. But then there were a lot of like genuine comedy nerds. Um, I remember I was on a weekend team with this woman who was on one of the original UCB Herald teams in New York with like Paul Shear. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, she, um, you know, had a a son with special needs and like moved back to North Carolina and, um, you know, had started doing like local theater there. So I think like, there definitely were people who I was like, Oh no, you're a performer and I can learn so much from you. Yeah. Um, 
coincidentally enough, I was in Mississippi a few months ago and I coached some improv there and that is a much smaller scene, but there's still just like theater kids who like kind of want to stretch their legs and like try improv. So I think it's so like contextual and kind of depends on like what, what kind of weird melting pot of people do you have here? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, you're going to, again, coming up from someone who watches all improv, good or bad, there's obviously something you can learn from everybody because everybody's going to bring, it's like, uh, sorry to always bring it back to bodybuilding, but uh, <laughs> you, you know that uh, Arnold thing, right? Uh, the one where he talks about the pump and how good it feels? Yeah, no, the one where he says, I'm not the, 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 the best, I don't have the best chest, the best arms, the best legs, but I train my arms with the people that have the best arms. I train my chest with people with the best chest. So that way... I'm the best well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I, I don't know which hat I'm wearing right now. I don't know which right. hat I'm wearing right now. But I, I want to say that like, if you're just, if you can't, if you came out to do improv and you have fun, mission accomplished, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't even know why I was talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger because that guy's super competitive. Yeah. The thing that you were talking about, about like the hangs and, and going out to bars and everything like that, like some of my favorite improv memories and practices and hangs have been in uh, Orange County. Mm-hmm. doing those local scenes because for there again this is not life or death this is not high stakes this is not whatever like it's just like board game night mm-hmm. or it's just like going to see a movie together you know mm-hmm. and it's just like i miss that level of it where it's like we're here to play good set bad set we're here to fight play we're having a giggle we're having a good time you know um i will say there's like a wholesomeness and an enthusiasm that i think you're kind of alluding to to both like north carolina and mississippi improv that i've noticed <laughs> And that is really infectious. And I kind of wish um, I could, there was more of that in LA. I, I was in Mississippi and like we, we were doing freeze tag, the short form game. Yeah. And like, if you asked me to do freeze tag in LA, I'd roll my eyes and I'd be like, what, what the fuck are we doing guys? We're here to do improv. But they were doing freeze tag and they loved it so much. And like, I, I got in there and I was like, this is fun. I forgot yeah. how fun this is. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Uh, I love freeze tag too. I feel like that'd be a fun warm up. Gets you out of your head and into your body, yeah, maybe. Yeah, totally. And it's just like, yes, and the fuzz. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I have a nostalgia for it, but like, I also do know that, like, in today and and where I am right now, it's tough. It's tough to. I, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like visiting your hometown. You know, when you uh, uh, first transitioned out here. How tough was that reconciliation of where you were and having fun to, to like LA? Because another thing that you spoke to is how tough it is to make friends out here. Mm-hmm. Was it equally hard in Chapel Hill? Um, no, it was way easier. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the toughest thing, like moving out to LA and like for maybe like two or three years, not really feeling like I had friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Chapel Hill of it all is like, it's such a small town, uh, such a small, like a hundred to 200 people in this theater community. So really just like after every show, it's like, yeah, go to the bar, hang out, you know, and you know, everyone, it feels like family almost. Have you gone back there since? Uh, I think I went back once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was that? Uh, was it nice or? I mean, the theater shut down like oh, r- sure. right after I moved to LA. Oh, uh, me too stuff. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that then. How dare local theater? No. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that must be tough. That means everybody, did they start a new theater after that? They, they the did. And I think like from the ashes, like 
they were trying to do it where it's like, oh, maybe we could pay our performers, but like that's so hard to do, uh, even in LA where yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know how they're doing. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. Which have you been paid yet? Oh, I uh I kind of checked for seven bucks a few months ago. Oh, I, I donated to the scholarship fund. Oh yeah. Hey, leave that in the podcast, sir. Don't <laughs> you a, dare cut that out. I'm a jerk. I kept that seven bucks for myself. Uh, uh, it's seven bucks, whatever. Yeah. I guess. Uh, 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 Selfishly, though, uh, I guess for the record, it's like I knew it would be seven bucks and it's not worth it to like maybe screw up my taxes and get audited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it were like. Am I going to get taxed for the seven bucks? <sighs> well, because we filled out a W-2, right? Yeah. But I mean, I never expected to make enough to where I would need to pay taxes on it. Oh, Okay. In any case, uh, I guess the point is the reason why I brought it up, and I guess I will leave it in the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> is that uh, 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 I guess this does give a sense of realism of how hard it is to pay your performers. That mm-hmm. at UCB, one of the you know, arguably one of the most successful comedy theaters, improv theaters, and then arguably one of the most busy packed shows. Right, mm-hmm. Monday night, and I got seven bucks. Right, know? and that's over the course of months. That's not for one show. That's like I think for like Q two, you know. Um, so that's like the sum of all your Lloyd nights plus like Glass Clown. Yeah, yeah, and then I would. Uh, uh, I, I think they also don't they split uh, uh, with um, they could, like don't they they make like the whole night cover like they make like the expensive shows cover the. Oh, do they? something like that. I don't know. There's some math equation involved in it, but in any case, like it ain't, it ain't, it ain't survivable, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think your performances and I guess the average performances you could see at UCB are worth the price of admission? Yeah, because, and we're spoiled with it here in LA, but jumping back into local, um, jumping back to like local improv, uh, I mentioned I see improv everywhere I go. I will travel. Uh, I used to travel for work, so I used to like see improv shows wherever I went. Um, even in Orange County, we were charging five bucks a ticket. Mm-hmm. In other places, I've been paying. I paid like uh, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars for a ticket. Mm-hmm. I can confidently say that like UCB is you're getting more bang for your buck. Are you for a five dollar, ten dollar ticket? You kidding me? But you're saying relative to something like Groundlings or. I'm oh uh 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 like I don't I I guess it's the only thing I can compare it to is other improv you know this is the Same. best improv that you'll probably see and this is probably the cheapest ticket you'll find it for that I agree with uh the price to quality ratio yeah but I guess price to quality ratio aside the I like because sometimes I do a show and I'm like oh. If anybody paid ten dollars to see that or five dollars to see that, I oh, feel, I see what you're saying. You know I what I mean? Saying. And I Yo, think maybe forty percent of the time I feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I think that's a different framing of the question. Do I think my shows are worth five dollars? Maybe not. Right? I don't know. It depends on the, the night and depends on how I'm feeling. You know? But like I will say, like I said, like in Orange County, I've I've made five bucks for worse shows. Mm-hmm. I, or rather, I charged five bucks for worse shows. You know? Mm-hmm. And I guess if I'm not gonna have a guilty conscience about that, I'm pretty sure, right? Like you probably don't feel bad about. Charging people at uh, Chapel Hill five bucks, do you? No, but I think also like because it, that really is the only game in town. Yeah. Um, that I feel like was a steal. 
Whereas sure. like I may, maybe part of it is like in LA, there are so many options to entertain yourself. And let's be real too, buddy. You're 10 bucks. I'm five bucks. So technically you have to do <laughs> twice as bad as good as me for it to be worth Oh it. gosh. That's so a tough call. That's, oh my God. I'm going to, yeah. I've got a Herald on Monday. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Keep the advice. Like, oh, I better double Davis. <laughs> double everything. the amount of laps. The LPMs. <laughs> yeah. Laps yeah. per minute. The thing, when I was talking about going back home and doing stand-up, the thing that I really like about doing stand-up in a place like Mississippi is that even if the people aren't laughing at your jokes, like they're, you can see on their faces, like how grateful they are to like hear you tell stories. Yeah. And they're so like happy just to listen to you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like part of that is because it's like the only game in town type thing, you know, like for our Lloyd Knights, for our Harold Knights, it's like, this is not new for anybody. I see what you're just saying. But when I do stand up in Mississippi, everyone's like, it's like you can almost see their pupils dilating. And even if I don't crush, it feels like so good to know that like these people are listening. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of veered a little bit off, uh, off the topic. Let's jump back into this. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That is something that is, again, part of that competitiveness of doing uh, uh, comedy out here. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to be more heightened because this is a, I wouldn't even necessarily say we're a savvier audience, but this is an audience that has seen it already. I think even like beyond like the quality of the writing, it's the idea of like, um, at least he's up on stage. At least he's saying something. Yeah. Like I'm here to experience an event. I'm my phone is away. I'm like looking at you. I think like, I mean, how many times have you gone to a show where it's just like almost like work for you? You know, like I'm going to another comedy show. It's just another Wednesday. Right. Whereas like, like, in Mississippi, it's like, this is like a once a month show. This is an event. You yeah. Know? And you can feel when the audience treats it as an event. Sure. Yeah. Like they, they plan for this. They got the babysitter. Uh, uh, I just asked out this cute girl. I'm so excited. You're going to take a dream prop show. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that feeling, I think in a smaller market is. You don't think we had that out here? You don't think people are making, uh, making time for a uh, Herald night or asking their date? Like, Hey, listen, uh, no, look, I've, I've taken plenty of dates to UCV. Okay? Like I, I do, but it's like, it's, you know, like when you do something over and over again, it starts to lose the but magic. But that's us. That's us. That's not the audience though. So that's, I think that audience, that magic might still be there. I'll be a little optimistic. In Okay. So in Mississippi, I can guarantee you so like half the crowd that's watching me, this is their first time watching live stand up, especially since it's a college town. And a lot of them are 18, 19. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay. there is this sort of like, like connectiveness. That's just hard to describe. And I think that's still here. I, I definitely, for sure, in Groundlings, they do ask that. Who's seeing improv for the first time? There's a lot of tourists. There's a lot of people that are seeing improv for the first time there. I think UCB used to definitely have that. I don't know if they have it anymore. Right. Or maybe they do, but, like, uh, uh, like I know for a fact, like, Largo has that. Like, half of those people are also, like, mm-hmm. not improv savvy. So, I don't know. I think this might be just a temporary thing, hopefully. Like, over time, mm. uh, we'll get that back. But I will say you, you get that almost entirely in the local scene in Orange County, they're either brand new people that bought a ticket on Groupon mm-hmm. or they're friends and family of the cast performing, you know? Yeah. I mean, tying it back to the, the price of tickets, uh, when I was in China doing the improv stuff, I was talking to them about like, what is their indie culture like and what mm-hmm. is the world like? And they were telling me they charge like $15, $20 US to do like an, uh, for tickets for like an indie show at the back of a bar. And these are people who've like maybe just been doing improv for like six months or something. Mm-hmm. 
And like the guy's justification was like, well, you know, historically China is like a very poor country. These people have only really had disposable income for like a pretty, maybe like 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the idea of going out on a Wednesday night and spending your money to do really anything has like a novelty to it and they'd be willing to pay for it. Uh, uh, yeah, I would probably think, you know, being Chinese myself, I would say that, um, that price barrier isn't there. I would also say maybe even culturally, like that almost even adds to it. It's like, I'm not going to go see a $5 show, but a $20 show. I go see. <laughs> oh, like, you a, know what I mean? Something that's more expensive inherently has more value. That yeah. Thing. And I think also, uh, uh, I know for me, a lot from my family and the way that I think about making, a a purchase, whatever. It's just like, is this worth it on their end? Uh, to, you know, so if I think about like, well, they do, they practice, they have to round the space or whatever. So at the end of the day, economically speaking, $20 is what the practical thing I would charge as well. So I'm going to pay that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to make sure, that, oh yeah, no, yeah. Uh, Cause I've always done the math. I was like, man, uh, Herald team is eight people. So even if they charge $50 a ticket, everyone's only going to get, you know, right. $4 of my ticket of my ticket price. Not to mention, I mean, that's not even counting the venue and all this stuff. So I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to pay out 10, eight people. So I think if I had that in mind, if I went to that, uh, if improv was a new thing to me, I didn't know how the sausage was made. Mm-hmm. And I was in China and this is a brand new thing. I'd be like, they're making it up. And there's eight of them. And they rented out this nice space. <laughs> yeah. $20 is a steal. You yeah. know? I, I, I actually even argued that that's how much, like, um, you ever been to the Largo shows? Yeah. Where they're 35 plus $17 or like uh, whatever service fee. Mm-hmm. So you're paying like 60 bucks. And I felt good about that. I've never been like, how dare they? I've always been like, yeah, I got 60 bucks worth of, you know. But you're paying 60 bucks to see like celebrities though, right? Yeah, but that's what that kind of is. There's no improv celebrity in China. So there's just. No, but these are literally people who like are like this is like your mom doing improv. I know, but she's doing something that like you've not seen people do before. Or whatever. Yeah. So for them, it is look, there is no Paul Shear over there. There is no Ben Schwartz in China. Right? Yeah. There is just, and if there was, I bet you they'd pay a hundred bucks to see, yeah. you know, the Chinese Paul Shear. Well, stand up is like way more popular in China right now than yeah. improv because there's a, a cultural history for it, at least. This is pretty interesting to me uh, that you did that. And uh, first of all, are you fluent in Mandarin? Um, you teaching in English. I was teaching in Mandarin and then like every now and then I'd have to switch to English real quick. Yeah. So, but so you, you knew enough to be able to, to teach. Um, I would say like 80 to 90% of the stuff I was saying was in Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you also have to do scene work in Chinese, right? So that means you have to know the word for like, Oh, I, hey, I, uh, can we sit down? We have a heart to heart. You know how to say that in Chinese. I wasn't improvising. I don't think my Chinese is fast enough oh, to it. like get those words out, but you had to hear it. Uh, I can hear it. I can understand it. And I can be like, uh, I, I probably didn't sound the most eloquent. Sure. It would probably, uh, 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 to, to have enough to be able to like understand and then maybe like even catch some of the subtleties and some of the nuances in their performances demonstrates a lot of fluency. I think the hardest thing was like the crazy thing about how like improv in Beijing and China started is like one of the guys there, he was like, I, as far as I know, I'm the first guy to ever translate truth and comedy into Chinese. And he was like, the only reason I did it was because this acting person, like a buddy of mine asked me to translate it. I did it, knew nothing about improv. And a few years later, I started doing improv, tried to retranslate it and realized how bad of a translation I did. And then like, they like, because so much of the work is translation and there's like so many different ways you can translate something. Mm -hmm. 
you don't really have the same vocabulary to talk about improv yeah. with your teammates. And so like so much of the workshops was like me trying to say something in Chinese, like trying to translate heightening into Chinese and saying like, what is your word for this? Like here are the options for like translation, what feels most right to you guys and kind of like building a vocabulary set with them. Um, it, because they read truth and comedy, that means they may have a, a different, they must have a different now understanding or different interpretation of comedy because traditionally a lot of Chinese comedy is like slapstick or pun or mm-hmm. irony, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but to be able to laugh at the awkwardness or, you know, to discover a, a real moment that, and then, and then like to set a tone and then has the unexpected happen. Mm-hmm. Did they have, did they have a, the similar sensibility for that or was it different? Um, I think definitely like uh, there's like a Chinese form of sketch called like Xiaoping which is very like Abbott and Costello, uh, very like traditional. Even when people perform it today, they wear like traditional clothes while performing it. And there's like a sketch cadence. I feel like when you talk, there's like a sketchiness of it that they kind of brought to their improv. Yeah. And like, personally, I think like, you know, if you're, that's what you're into, like culturally, mm-hmm. you know, do that, you know, there's no like superiority over like grounded versus like not grounded. Um but it was cool because like I did like some like um, grounding exercises with them. Like, you know, that park bench of truth mm-hmm. exercise. I did that and it kind of blew like some of their minds, you know, and that was really cool because typically uh, Chinese comedy doesn't skew towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they were probably just like all of us. We have the same realization where it's just like, wait, we were just talking about our weekend plans and that was fun and interesting mm-hmm. and we didn't make any jokes. I didn't say, you know, fart once mm-hmm. and, and you guys are all engaged. Wow. You know? Right. Uh, 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 so that's interesting that like, that is, I, w- I would have thought that that would have been more cultural, uh, more regional, but it seems like that's something that can be like ported very well to different communities. Cause one of the things I was going to say too, just in terms of to tie it back to like LA versus local, I think a lot of what uh, the trends end up being is going to be uh, um, based on like what uh, uh, the, the community is like. So for instance, uh, one time I went to Portland to go see an improv show mm-hmm. and that up there, it was like watching an episode of Portlandia. It was just so <laughs> like, and I mean that in the best way possible, but it was just like very random. It was like no game, but like everything was like, you know, you take something familiar, you know, uh, 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 hey, you and I, we're going to go uh, on a hike. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes, and then they throw in like swimming things and like, oh, now we're burying a body. It's like, oh, and it's kind of like that deep, like, oh, wait, I thought you guys were going on a regular hike. Turns out this hike is to bury a body. And then it was just like, you know, uh, 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 like things would change so dramatically tonally and everything. You kind of get a little bit of whiplash, but I'm like, I think that this is the sensibility up here. I think people here are weird and kooky and fun. Mm-hmm. And, and like, if you're a good teacher, if you're a good coach, you would feed that and nourish that, not like say, hey, no, stop, you know, do it the way I know how to do whatever, you know? Right, exactly. Especially like if it is something that's like uh, intercultural, mm-hmm. it's like you don't want to like kind of have this like colonizer mindset of like the way that you guys laugh or the way that you guys think comedy should be done is wrong and you should do it like me. And it's hard to figure out like what is a note I should give versus like what is something that's like, no, this is just what they like. Yeah. And do you compare that to uh, uh, out here? I think that's why so many of the best improvisers, some of the strongest teachers and, and the style out here is so performance-based either. And that's why you and I, like, we love uh, this show is not funny. LA is full of actors and 
people that love film and love the dramatic arts. Mm -hmm. So when they see people doing that, they're like, I love it. That's also why that character and clowning works so big here. Cause it's like, you are really stepping up. You're taking your energy to a 10 or 11, which is like, this is what we're all here for with the Jim Carrey's and the, mm. the Robin Williams. We love that you're bringing that out here, mm -hmm. you know, um, versus like, I know for, I know for a fact, like uh, uh, in Orange County growing up there my whole life, you know, like, uh, uh, like Borat's funny, you know? So sometimes even just like the, the, the novelty of doing a accent, doesn't matter if it's good, doesn't matter if it's bad, sure. but the novelty that you're doing it or the novelty that you are like a lot of people in Orange County, like they sacrifice their body. So they do a lot of like, Oh, like physical prep calls. And, stuff. Okay. and it's just like, it's the fact that like you are committing that is to be really funny. And like out here, I don't know, again, different, just not even that far away, but like someone does a prep fall, you're we're always concerned, right? We're just like, Oh no. Right. That person just skinned their, their boo boo in their knee. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I think that like, as we kind of like, you know, bring up this discussion of LA versus a small town or a small theater. I think it's tough. I think we, sh we, we shouldn't really think of it that way. I think it really should be like, just like LA versus Mississippi is different from Mississippi versus North Carolina versus different from North Carolina versus Orange County, Orange County versus Portland. I think the conclusion that I've come to, maybe you feel the same way, like all improv and all comedy is going to be regional or it's going to speak to the people of that community. For sure. Yeah. And I think comedy more than any other art form is like the has like ages the worst. Yeah. Like not just from like a problematic perspective, but like if you go back in time and like watch stuff that's not problematic, I feel like it stops being funny so quickly because just like the times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest takeaway uh, in the discussion is it's, 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 this is kind of a nice thing. Like just to, to do like, uh, I don't know. I've been playing devil's advocate, playing negative Nancy, but I'll just say this, like LA, we're very blessed. We're very lucky to be doing in LA. I think LA has, first of all, there's so many people doing out here mm -hmm. that like I mentioned before, like uh, other places, it's kind of really dictated by the one person running the scene and what they say goes, mm -hmm. but there's no one person here. And then there's so many, you know, schools now, so many different influential people. So you can really find the voice or find the style that you like. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, 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 most people are transplants out here. So some, you no, know, like how many teachers do we have that are like New York people, right? So they bring that to us. They bring different sensibilities and different styles mm -hmm. to us. And the last thing is, how great is it that we uh, also can influence outwards? You're going to Beijing. People are going to UNC. No, nope. people are going to Chapel Hill. People are going to, you know. Orange County from, from LA. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're bringing that style across. So it is kind of this really nice give and take. And with LA, it's like, you know, how many scenes you see where it's like a guy walks in with a boom mic. Cause it's LA. Right. No, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. like, I don't know, like at anywhere else in the world, it's like, you have people who are actual like doctors and like, like very worldly and traveled. And you see yeah. that in their scene work and it's incredible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There was a lot of family stuff uh, where I came back came from. Cause you know, uh, family values is so strong in Orange County right? Um, versus here. No one has a fucking family. Yeah. <laughs> in Beijing, there was um, my classes, like it was, I did a Chinese class and an English class and the English class was all expats from around mm -hmm. the world. And there was this guy from Nigeria who had never really been to America. He was from Nigeria. was going to grad school in China, spoke great English and like 
just his scenes were so cool because it's like, oh, you have a completely different perspective on the world than I could yeah. ever have. And how great was it for you to like experience that and now bring that with you? you oh, know? insane. Yeah. Also crazy that he spoke English with an American accent, but he like really never been here. Really? Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, probably a lot, a lot from watching movies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. Well, a uh, great story and great way to wrap up this discussion on uh, improv and that, we'll change it. Now it's just, I guess, talking about regional uh, improv in different regions. Yeah. yeah rather yeah. than focusing on LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, great. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our last segment now, which is going to be hot improv takes. So uh, here's our chance to go on a rant on a trend that we've been seeing in the improv stages of LA, either things that we love and we want to see more of things we don't like, and we don't want to see, we want to see less of, or something that is like just right. And we want to keep it like that. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay, sure. Hot improv take. I wish people would stop trying to be so funny. <laughs> Like, okay, we've been talking about how much we love dramatic improv. And I yeah. think sometimes like the scene isn't very funny. And like, I just wish I could see people like lean into that more. Cause it's like, okay, this scene isn't funny. So like, let's just kind of, maybe it's a dramatic scene, right? Or maybe it's just, there's a huge laugh waiting. We just have to wait a little bit longer, but nothing takes me out of a show more than like when I can see the performers are trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I hear like, like what you're saying. Yeah, like the, the funny will happen. Trust the funny will happen. Trust that you'll be able to do funny stuff. And yeah, like it's it's so funny for uh for LA, the city of uh, actors and dreamers. Like there's so little emphasis on acting out here. I think that's so funny. Dude. Yeah, and if the comedy doesn't happen, like something else will happen, and maybe that'll be more interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Great hot take. I completely agree with you. Right, I'll do mine now. Uh, uh, um, uh, hot improv take. Don't do more than two shows a week. I guarantee you that uh, how, no matter how great you are, even if you're getting paid for it, you shouldn't max out on performance. You should be maxing out on practices. So two is really all you need to, and it, it gives more emphasis. It gives more prestige. You look forward to it more. If you've got four shows in a week, I guarantee at least one of those, you're going to be phoning it in because you're going to be thinking about those other two or three performances. This isn't like stand-up where the more reps, the better, because you're going to refine this thing over again. This is much more like a sport or, uh, uh, um, you know, a physical exercise where if you, if you run four marathons in a week, guess what? You're going to be sore for half of them. Right. So don't book that many. It's good that you're doing a lot of improv, do as much as you can get, but like spread them out so that you have about two a week. Uh, and, uh, don't like do two in one night. That's the worst. Have you ever done two improv shows in the same night? Yeah. I hate that. You feel bad. And and you have to leave the show early and everything like that to jump to it. When I've done two shows in, uh, a night, it's always clear like which one is the tune-up warm-up show and which one is like the it actually matters. Yeah, and that's the only reason I would ever do two. It's just like I want to get a quick set in before I do my real set. Yeah, yeah, and like my thing is just even from a practical standpoint, I'm a big practice person. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing three shows a week, that means are you doing like practice the other three nights? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Uh, when that ratio changes to like more shows and practices, I think we have a problem. Do you think that applies to people of all levels though? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, obviously you will get to a point where your performance is your rep. You know what I'm saying? Like, like someone that I really look up to is Jason Manzuga. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I think he's practicing? No. But when he does a a perform, you know, a show, does he do a good job? 
Hell yeah, he does, right? Yeah. But I would argue that he's probably of a level. He's been doing it so long that when he does a performance rep, he will think about it. He'll kind of like note himself, you know? Right. And he'll be like, that was the practice and he'll bring it to him next time. But I would also say that sometimes they can be rusty, you know? If you don't practice and you haven't done improv in a month and all of a sudden you do a show, you might be a little rusty. So I'm pretty sure, I'm, hey, it, uh, obviously this is a, a learning experience and everyone's going to have their own balance. And some people maybe can't joke. Maybe that number is arbitrary. Mm-hmm. For some people, like, dude, one show a week's too much. He only do once a month. Mm-hmm. Or some people are like, um, oh boy, I thought I feel like you do seven a week, but eight a week, that's too much. But I prefer we can hit that level. But eventually, you do need to find that balance. You mm-hmm. do need to, everyone burns out. I think everybody, yeah. Uh, 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 hey, if you're listening, you haven't burned out yet, keep pushing it. Eventually, you're going to burn out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this is too much improv. But I will say, uh, uh, maybe, per- maybe this is more of a personal thing. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, uh, three is the max you should shoot for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you can also get by with one. The idea though, is that you are also practicing in between or with those sets. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if I did, if I didn't have a day job, I might be doing classes in the morning and then a show if you at night. And maybe that is a good balance, but I just think the balance shouldn't tip over to more performances than practices. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, that has been our hot improv th- takes with uh, Sam. Let's go ahead and wrap it up now. It's getting pretty late. The lamps are on. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, go ahead and give us your plugs. Uh, yeah. Um, be sure to catch me on Herald Night with Headbutt Monday nights at UCB. And then uh, be sure to look out for the next uh, White Lotus show with Whistling Prince also at UCB or catch us Friday nights at We Improv on the fourth Friday of every Month. No, the third Friday. Third Friday. Third Friday of every month. Uh, that's upstairs? Um, I think it's downstairs. And that's yeah. second or fourth? Fourth Friday. <laughs> we improv fourth Friday of every month. I have a Google calendar that has all of this. Great, Ooh, great. Ask, ask to get added to my Google calendar if you really want to see me. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. drop your uh, social and then they can hit you up for oh. Google calendar. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at samldi. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks so much for stopping by, Sam. Uh, it was great hearing about your journey. Much more traveling than I thought it would be. Most people's journeys like two cities, but uh, it was great. We got to travel around the world with Sam D and his improv journey. Yeah. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody.